Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. For the road all my life Thirsty for adventure all my youth Chasing all my freedoms down Liberty Avenue And every time I hear a phrase My mother used to say to me Everything happens for a reason I get the feeling I need A little taste of
when the going gets weird, Alexander Strange gets going. He's America's only full-time weird news reporter. You can follow his adventures in a series of mysteries by award-winning journalist and author J.C. Bruce. Kirkus Reviews calls the Strange Files series suspenseful page-turners punctuated with dashes of the surreal. The online book club says they're full of twists and turns, simultaneously mystery and comedy. Available in hardcover, paperback, and ebooks, order your copies online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble right now. Just search for J period, C period, Bruce and look for The Strange Files, Florida Man, Get Strange, Strange Currents, and Mr. Manners. See why the critics are raving Oi! about this series. Order your copies right now. Beaming to you like a whirlwind. In syndication and on all the apps worldwide, you are listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio Network. And it is, boy, is it Friday already? Thursday. Is it Thursday? Well, see, I'm losing my days already. Well, it's Thursday, and it is the 12th of January. At least I didn't say February. Now, the Pentagon came out with a report that they promised. And if you go to our, our, I have breaking news on our group page on Facebook. And the article I put up says it all about what the Pentagon report was. Did you see the report I put up there on our group page? I did see some of that. Yes, I did. What a report that was. Well, it's pretty much what the uh, Pentagon gave out. They basically said, well, there's some things we just don't know what it is, but most of it we know what it is, and that was the end of the report. So now we can go to bed happy tonight knowing we've got complete disclosure. Oh, we have. Like, like I said, go to our Facebook page for Night Dreams Talk Radio. I got a great picture. It tells it all. You know, there's a couple other shows. <clears throat> One in Canada is going to have a big, big tonight, break. you know, breaking news about the Pentagon report. Well, if they come out with anything more than that, guess what? Mm -hmm. They're smoking crack. <laughs> okay. right. Well, that would be breaking news. Yeah, that it? would be. Now, you know, I'm not telling you what ladies' crack it was, but I can tell you it's going to be crack. Well, you know, I was going to finish a story last night. There's a lady in the UK is so freaking cheap. Uh -oh. She recycles toilet paper. Oh, my goodness. Uh, please do tell. Can you well, give she figured out a way to put it in the washing machine in some type of container. She has a long, you know, recipe how to recycle and rewash your toilet paper and how to roll it back up to resemble toilet paper without falling apart. But it's a special type of toilet paper you have to use. And it's almost like that toilet paper when you go out and buy a new pair of shoes or like it used to, you know, wrapped in this paper. Well, that's the type of toilet paper you would have to use. But can you imagine going to this lady's house as she was single and say, can I use your bathroom for a minute? I got a runny nose. Mm -hmm. And you reach in and pull out toilet paper and it smells like shit. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What? A, uh, yeah, that would be a one and done date there, I would say, pretty much. But here's the thing. Whoever, you know, doesn't likes the toilet paper, I guess they would be. Uh, I, have I don't know. There's, you know, there's people I have a, 
a, a fetish of eating toilet paper. You know that. And eating I, lint. And can you imagine? I'm going to the store today. What are you getting, honey? Well, I ran out of toilet paper last night while watching my favorite TV show. Do you mean you had diarrhea? No, I eat it. Didn't oh, you, haven't you ever wondered how all these rolls, of 30 rolls of toilet paper disappear each week? I eat them. I just take them in little wads and I chew them and eat them. You know, when you said eat, I thought he was going to say something. Else. I, you probably did, huh? Like, like, well, you know, guess what? You know, because of all the rainstorms and the weather, could you imagine you're going to bury a body in a casket? Oh no! And I'm not going to mention the uh, cemetery, but so far they had three or four incidents where the graveyard workers are bringing the body to put into the hole. By the way, some of the holes are even flooded. And they slip in the mud, and they drop the body out of the casket. And could you imagine the people being freaked out here? You know, they're holding their umbrellas. They're there for the funeral. And here's a loved one just rolling down on the grass or mud. Oh, that would be horrible. It reminds me of that Vincent Price movie I watched where they, you know, they was undertakers. They get these selling these nice expensive caskets they take them out there once it's over they just empty them into the hole and bury them and resell the casket over oh just like that lady who just got sentenced for 20 years yeah she ran a funeral home right and uh, she was selling you know as many organs and body tissue as she can from the loved ones and yeah, then, yeah for- and and you know and very seldom was she burying people Right, and then uh, there was that other uh, news story a few years ago where the guy was, you know, had all them inside the wall. He was selling them and supposed to cremate and all this. And yeah, it's strange people. Well, you know what it is? It's National Curry Chicken Day. Oh boy! You know what I think about that one? <laughs> I hate curry yeah. chicken. Well, it's also Kiss a Ginger Ginger Day. Do you want to go out and kiss a ginger? No, not today. Well, how about tomorrow then? No, nope, take a rain check. Okay, one. well, you know, in the United States, we are talking always about dogmen and Bigfoot. Yes. Well, in England, they have now filmed a fox two-legged walking. Interesting. So, so now we got dogmen and Bigfoot, and we got two-legged fox. Foxmen. We got foxmen. Yeah, now. we got. They got foxmen. <laughs> what's ne- what's next? Cat cat walkers? And- I have no idea. It's in the news. By the way, Elvis Presley's daughter passed away. She was in her early 50s today of a heart attack. Well, uh, there is a, a video circulating all over the Internet today of a flying saucer coming out of an erupting volcano in Mexico. How do they know it's a flying saucer? How c- Why couldn't it be a big boulder? It was kicked out of the... Uh, you know, the volcano. Yeah, you know, um, listen, that volcano, I forget what its name of it is, but they've had videos of this over the years, and, and a couple of them have been debunked. Where it is was an airplane, and the way that it was angled of the of when they record it, it kind of looks like a UFO, but it's really just an airplane. Yeah. Well, police in the U.K. were very embarrassed. Uh-oh. They got a phone call of a lady in distress in a storefront window you know, slooped over, or slooped, well, over a desk anyway, a table. And they thought maybe something was bad, so they broke the windows to get her out and rescue her and found out it was a mannequin. <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, listen, mannequins can be scary. Remember that Koshak? Uh, yeah, couple- I remember that. Well, you know, for Christmas, I didn't know this, J- JC. Spam 
is made in Christmas time, holiday season, in different flavors. Do you know they have Spurgy Fergie pudding spam? I did not know that. I thought he was going to tell me that. Wild cherry. (laughs) I know a couple girls that could fit in that. Orange. Chocolate mousse spam. A limited edition. I'm dead serious. Dead serious. Pumpkin spice spam. I don't know about that. I don't even like spam like the way it is, but let alone, (laughs) you know, that's a, oh God, I'm going to throw up. Uh, you know, all across the world, people are getting tired of their yachts or rowboats or motorboats. And you know what they're doing? They're abandoning them. And it's causing the harbors a lot of money, the cities and counties all over the world, a lot of money to get rid of these derelict boats. <laughs> That's that is bizarre because listen, they're scrapping people a lot of them scrap, but uh, yeah, but a lot of them aren't worth scrapping. You know, the the old wood or old fiberglass, and you know they're derelict. Or what you know, or old even ships. You know that you know the cost is. You know, most of them they would have to take them out and sink them and whatever they have to do. But then they have to decontaminate them. They have to remove the oil out of them. All this stuff very expensive. For so the owners are just abandoning them and walking away from them. Yeah, because they can't afford the upkeep, I guess, or the storage. Well, guess what? They're worried about bird flu outbreaks in the United States, and it could spill over to humans. Yeah, doesn't that start with the chickens? Well, I guess so. I think so. Yeah, well, that's because they're fooling around the DNA like last night, and they're trying to get dinosaur legs on a chicken. Or a T-Rex head on a chicken. I think KFC had something to do with that one. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, you rattled your cage before, so yeah. Yeah, well, or something. Well, also in the news, a professor insists we actually don't live in a metrics. Everything that happens is real. If you cut your finger off on a bandsaw, it's not a figment of your imagination. It's not a computer glitch. You actually cut your freaking finger off. Duh, I'm not lying about that one either. There it is, okay? We don't live in an artificial computer chip. Oh, here, I thought we was written in a script by some alien somewhere in a preschool. <laughs> Probably. Okay, I won't even go that way. Uh, Mobile Exxon, you know who they are, Exxon Mobile? Yes. Back yes, in the 70s, the scientists for the company said, guess what? We're going to go through earth changes, climate changes, And the government didn't even take them serious. Now, guess what's going on? Global warming. And you know what? Even half the scientists, "Ah, it's not happening. But look what's going on in California. Mass flooding. Okay? That's the whole point. It doesn't just get hot and stay hot. The weather gets erratic. It does everything. Just like my, my second wife would do everything. Oh, this is erratic. Even your first wife was long. Oh, I'm sorry. That was erotic, wasn't it? I get those two words mixed you up. Get them, you get your wires crossed, or E's, or letters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to say, well, good evening on chat to Christopher George. Hi, Kim. Stay away from those chocolate milkshakes. Hi, Barb. How are you doing? And, uh, well, we have Tom, Tom Power and Light and some other people out there on chat. Well, I hope you guys are all staying out of trouble because I'm getting into trouble. By the way, you know, we play the strange news on the show. And it must be a big hit because my two competitions 
my two big competitions. There's one that nobody can be a competition to. That's Coast to Coast. But there's two other shows out there. All of a sudden here, started doing the strange news. Isn't that kind of weird? And they even play the same freaking intro that I do on my news. <laughs> I, yeah. At least Everybody's making money but me. Yeah, and we're trailblazing. There you go. Yeah. While the House votes to block Biden from selling oil reserves, whatever little bit we have, to China. Oh, my goodness. That's a double indemnity if I ever heard of one. Well, you know, Congress is trying to do away with the IRS and just put a tax on, you know, and that would even be for the wealthy, the poor, whatever. You go to the store. It kind of like there was a war tax. You're not old enough to probably even remember that. When I was a kid, you'd go buy something and there was a tax. I think it was like five cents, six cents, whatever it is on a dollar. And you go buy something and that was a war tax left over from World War II all the way up to the early 60s. And it would make more logical sense to put taxes on, on products, right? And services and get rid of the IRS, get rid of the audits, get rid of the tax cheats, get rid of the wealthy people that figure out how to hide their money and manipulate it. If they go out and buy a yacht, they're going to pay the tax on it. If they're going to buy a well, you know, new mansion, they're going to pay the taxes on it. They buy a new BMW, they're going to pay the taxes on it. Well, Biden says if that comes up on his desk, if for some reason that the Senate agrees with it, he's going to veto it. We wouldn't have to pay the IRS workers, too. The 80,000 new ones are supposed to be hiring, too. Yeah. And they, oh, you know, the IRS goes after the poor people. Oh, the yeah. poor people That's... that make under like $20,000 a year because they know they don't have the money to defend themselves and they'll cough up the money one way or the other. Well, you know, Walmart egg prices have reached $27 for five dozen eggs. Yeah, that's five dollars and something a dozen. That's that's outrageous. Uh, that's uh, some expensive uh, chickens, almost fifty cents an egg. Up in the mountains, and it doesn't say where, but they have found old ancient civilizations up thousands of feet that they didn't even know that that civilization even existed, and they're curious how they could make these structures on top of these thousands of feet up in on these plateaus on these mountaintops and build yep. all this stuff and get it up there to do it it's amazing i've seen some of that stuff in central and south america on these mountains they're up in the clouds you can't even see them yeah, yeah. they're eight ten thousand feet in the air i think i don't know if it's meet you yeah meet you or one of them but yeah they're way up there yeah but how could they do it how could they get up there they didn't have helicopters i know how they did it et's Yes, and and then some of the stones are 20, 30, 40 tons and are cut precisely, Gary. Oh, I know. It's the, again, technology. You know, they finally figured out here, it was in the news just a couple of days ago, I'm surprised you didn't notice it. They I finally might. figured out how the Romans made that cement that could last for thousands of years, even in the water and, you know, places where they had bulkheads and all that stuff and where it didn't break down from the seawater. Yeah, now there's something they can put a patent on. Whoever's if somebody well, they got... figured it out. You know what? They take lime, and how we do it is we take a fine potter lime and we mix it. What the Romans did is they took it, put it in chunks and broke it up in into and created their concrete. Now, isn't that strange? It took about a hundred years for them to figure out how the scientists how they did it. 
I think it took longer than that, but yeah, that's uh, yeah. Listen, that's the. Well, I don't think a hundred years ago they were sitting back. I wonder how the Romans made cement, James. Well, they've been they've been making it for two thousand years. That's not what I'm saying. Scientists have been trying to figure out why their cement has lasted for thousands of years. It when does. we make cement, it it gets stronger as it gets older. But then after about a hundred years, it starts breaking down. Oh, it cracks. I've seen cement crack months after it's been laid. Well, that's because they did something. They laid it wrong. Yeah. Like you did with your first marriage. You laid it wrong. Uh, but, you know, seriously, you have to think about, you know, that they figured out how they can make it super strong where it doesn't break down in age. So I don't know. They first thought it was ash and all that stuff in it. And, and it mm-hmm. turned out to be that they, they took bigger hunks of lime and crushed it in versus potter. Yeah, that, it was definitely in the combination of the ingredients. They were close, but now I guess they've got it. Oh, yeah. Well, we got a great show tonight. Mm-hmm. We got Mark Leslie on, and he's going to be telling us some scary things, stories and stuff where you might want to bring a friend next to you or get your wife out of the bedroom and have her next to you on the couch. Put a log in that fireplace, make a martini or something, and put those feet up and and get ready to be scared we'll be back here just in a little bit you're listening to night dreams talk radio i'm your host the guy in the back who's trying to be some type of sports guy is jc we will be back so stay tuned the strange news in brief i'm guy ticker back in 1992 Two friends had been traveling in South Lancashire, Scotland, when they encountered something terrifying. Colin distinctly remembered feeling a searing pain in one of his eyes, while Gary recalled a buzzing black lens that was being used to examine his body. He also said that the aliens had communicated with them. I'm Guy Ticker. The Strange News is brought to you by Night Dreams Talk Radio Network. Do you have a strange story? Contact us at nightdreamstalkradio.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Coming to you live and covering all time zones like a glove. Here's Gary Anderson on Night Dreams Talk Radio. And we are back. Well, JC, who's our guest tonight and what can you tell the listeners about him? Well, our guest tonight is Mark Leslie. Now, Mark has long been afraid of the dark and fascinated with the paranormal and the unexplained which has translated into Mark writing a half dozen books exploring ghosts and other paranormal phenomena. Well, Mark, you are a guy right after me. I'll tell you what, I'm terrified of the dark. We can be terrified together then, can't we? Oh, yeah. My wife gets so mad at me because, you know, I, I kind of, you know, stay up late. I play around with my cell phone. I'm on my cell phone. I fall asleep. The phone drops on the floor. I have to tell my wife, hey, would you come and get it? Because I won't put my hand underneath the bed in the dark. No, of course. Of no. course not. Of course not. Uh, my partner as well. Uh, I remember one time we were camping and I was seeing shadows and hearing things outside the tent. And she's the brave one who actually had to go check out to make sure there were no monsters coming to get us. Well, you never know out nowadays. I mean, look at all the people have vanished, you know, out in the forest. There's a lot of people hey. just zap. They're gone. Exactly. And tomorrow is Friday the 13th. So, I mean, that's an even scarier day to be in the forest, right? Well, maybe I shouldn't do my show tomorrow if it's Friday the 13th. What do you think about <laughs> that one, JC? I think you'll be here. You you can do it. Just bring your blankie. You get scared, pull it over your eyes, and you'll be good. Oh, you have to tell people about that. <laughs> well, you told them. I'm well, just repeating the fact. I only do that occasionally. Okay. When I get scared, I put the blank over my head. I figure someone's going to grab and kill me if I don't want to see it. (laughs) Of course, my wife gets offended. She says, you do that because you don't want to look at me without my makeup. And I said, I don't want to even look at you when you have your makeup on. (laughs) Well, there you go. Well, Mark, I mean, what got you into, you know, the paranormal and scary stuff? Well, you know, um, I mean, I always was fascinated uh, and scared of uh, the dark. Uh, There was always this question of what was there, right? And that was the thing that scared me is the the unknown. 
and all of those elements. And I was um, in my early 20s living in Ottawa, Ontario, and I'd gone on a ghost walk, uh, one of those historic ghost walks of, of downtown. And Ottawa is, is Canada's capital city, so there's a lot, of, a lot of history to be learned there. And I was fascinated with the combination of ghost stories, which I always loved, you know, around campfires and stuff like that. And then they combine them with history. And for the first time in my life, I found history very fascinating because you can't tell a good ghost story without getting into history. And and it kind of stemmed from there. I, I mean, I'd always written horror stories, you know, short stories, fiction, Twilight Zone kind of tale. So, you know, since I was about 15 years old, uh, when I when I actually started seriously writing and sending my stories away to get rejected by a publisher, you know, all of those things. Um, yeah. So then then it was it wasn't until 2012 that I wrote my first book of true ghost stories uh, for Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, the city I'd uh, moved to and was learning about. And the way I learned about the city, the best way to learn about the city, of course, is go on a haunted ghost walk. Now, when you wrote a book about that city, did they like you after the book came out? The city? Yeah. yeah. Well, sometimes <laughs> so, you write a book about, you know, hey, maybe people won't come and visit now because they're scared to walk the streets at night. No, I think I think it, it was interesting because it was it was the first literary award I'd ever been um, nominated for. I didn't win, but it was ironic that it was a book of ghost stories that got me uh, got me the nomination and, and sort of celebrated in in many ways. And and I think what's fascinating is a lot of people are interested in in ghost stories and spooky tales and things they can't explain. And when, when I pitched this book to the publisher, uh, the, I, I sort of, I'm, I'm a Venn diagram kind of thinker. And so I, I kind of, you know, visualize this Venn diagram that this is a book that is going to be, it's going to appeal to people who love a good ghost story. Okay, that's one group. It's also going to appeal to people who enjoy historic tales, particularly of Canada and, you know, formation, etc. And the third group of people or people who are very passionate about and proud of their city, and they just want anything that has to do with the city. And there had been no book like that on the market. And lo and behold, that's exactly where where it, you know, it fit in very nicely. And I called the book my love letter to the city of Hamilton. And I, and I, did, I wrote that in the introduction because I had moved there and was learning about the city. And, and the more I learned about the ghosts and the history of the city, the more I loved the city and it became my own home. And so, no, I, I, I don't recall. I mean, there, there was one, one of the locations, Dundurn Castle, they did not want, I wanted to do the book launch there because it's one of the more, more you know, famous haunted locations um, actually associated and connected to the Royal family in, in, in England as well. But, they did not want to have anything to do with ghosts, so they, they very, very politely declined my request to try and do, set up some sort of event. Now, uh, interesting. I want to take you back in time. When you were a child, were you infatuated with the Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, and shows like that? Oh, my God, yeah. I, I had, uh, well, Twilight Zone was a little bit before my days. Uh, I was born in 69, so I got to see some of them in, in rerun. But the Outer Limits was was live and amazing stories. Do you remember that Spielberg TV show? Oh yeah, uh, very similar. I love those shows. Those are my and that's the kind of fiction I wrote was that weird, unex, inexplainable sort of thing. 
No, I just I just love those things. I love going back and watching the old old classic episodes. And then and then they they brought back the Outer Limits uh, again a couple times, a few different series. So oh, they no, also I just had love it, those things. They also had it on a radio too. You know, at the series, you know, drama. And you know they took like the old classic, you know Rod Sterling that he what he wrote, and you know put it into radio format. And I tell you, I, I still listen when I go to bed at night. That's one of the things I get freaked out on. I listen to the old Twilight Zone episodes. Oh, I'm gonna have to check that out in uh, in radio format just to see. Um, it's yeah, all over the internet. Go to, to YouTube. Of... Go to YouTube. Sorry, all you have to do is oh, go on okay. YouTube, and there it is. You just type in you know Twilight Zone. I will check it out. Thank you. What was your favorite episode that you can remember of the Twilight Zone? I mean, um, a terror at thirty thousand feet is is one of the classics um, that you know they've they've redone again. I think I think William Shatner was the actor in in that one. Oh Did yeah, do you remember that one? Oh yeah, and he was probably the best one when they redid it. Both, you know, with the newer uh, Twilight Zone when they redid it, and then they also did it on the audio. Uh, uh, right. Nobody could just the the expressions that William Shatner yeah. put on. You know, <laughs> I tell you how they did it too. They 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 actually said, "Hey, we're not going to pay you halfway through it." And the act, no, that's not true. But I, I tell you, he <laughs> out, he was freaked out. Could you imagine you're sitting on a plane, right? And you're seeing this monster tearing the cowling apart of a motor and, and all this stuff. And I mean, and, but what was interesting at the end of the, that, that show, right? At the very end, the mechanics, you know, go out there and look at the plane after it land and something was tearing that cowling apart on that motor. So what he was actually seeing was real. Everybody thought he was crazy. Yeah, and and I think I mean that's the true horror there is that you're the only one who's aware something's happening and nobody's listening. Um, just brilliantly executed. One of the classics. The other one there was the one about the guy who loved to read, and he just had no time to read, and he was waiting for time to read. Oh and yeah. Then the world ends, and and he's at this library, and he's so happy because he's there with all these books, and he has these big uh, um, Coke bottle kind of glasses. Uh, because he can't read without them, and then they fall and shatter, and so it's this really dark, dark moment where finally he has enough time to read all the books he's wanted to read. Oh but yeah, his glasses broke. Yeah, and he had so. them all stacked up. This is this week, okay. next week, the week after, next month, yeah. the month after that, next year, that year, that year. He was so ecstatic, you know. And yeah. then, then you know, he breaks his you know glasses i mean it, it's just like you know i mean the the pits of being maybe the only human left on earth and the only yeah. excitement you would have left he wasn't even thinking about food water no. how is he gonna survive it was books to read books yeah yeah <laughs> you know jc yeah. told me the same thing you know if, if if it happened he would go to the adult store and, and get all these magazines <laughs> and he, you know he's a heck with people I do not recall. Oh, I lied. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. And you just going to get them for the articles. Yeah, and you know, a friend of mine who's no longer, Robert Culp, the actor, you know, he did a, uh, I think it was uh, Twilight Zone, maybe it was the Outer Limits, and, uh, you know, about these little monster bugs and stuff like that. You know, again, you know, when you look back at those old shows, I mean, they didn't have all this graphics that they have nowadays. And, you know, you look back at it now and young people laugh at it because, oh, 
But when you're young and you see that stuff, when it actually was being, you know, broadcast, it was scary. Oh, yeah. It was it was really something. And, and, and that harkens back to the, that value of of story and not relying on the on the, the high resolution graphics and the CGI, but relying on the actors, relying on the dialogue, relying on the angles of the camera. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13 setting the mood, the music, all of those elements that come into it. And, and it, and it brings me back to, you know, one of my passions when I was a child was sitting around a campfire and listening to a really good storyteller. Have you shaking (laughs) sitting on the edge of your seat or the edge of your log or whatever it was you're sitting on and just, and just hanging on every word and, and terrified. Um, but you can't stop listening. No, I remember in camp, you know, we used to do that. You know, I used, when I was a kid, I, they would farm me off to, you know, for a month or two there in the summertime at the camp. And we would sit there and tell all these, you know, scary stories, you know, and then you'd have, you know, you sit there, you know, drinking a lot of liquid, you know, eating a lot of <laughs> junk food, right? And they're hearing all this scary stuff. And then at the very end, somebody will say, now I got you. But they did it at a perfect timing. And when they did that, you look at down and. Oh my God, I pissed myself. (laughs) And you got like 50 people all around you and you realize, oh my God. (laughs) But then you realize all 50 people did the same thing. So it wasn't so bad. Yeah, pretty much. It was just a urine fest. But uh, those jump scares, uh, they could uh, timed properly. Very, very effective. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, I still remember some of those camp stories. I I just love them. I, I really do. You know, when we were in Vietnam, we would do the same thing. We would sit there, you know, at night. And we would tell horrible, scary stories, and then you know, just to kill the time. Yeah, yeah. I remember working at a lodge in uh, northern Ontario, and a good friend of mine, uh, JP, used to just love the lighting and telling me scary stories, making up these ghost stories. We were in you know bunk beds trying to go to bed, and I'm on the top bunk, he's on the top bottom bunk, and he starts sharing scary stories. Then he would just fall asleep, and I would lie there. Just you know, every every creak, every every you know noise in the night, uh, jumping, jumping that, and I couldn't. Really, I'd maybe get a couple hours sleep, and then we'd have to get to work in the morning. But um, yeah, there, there, there's just something fascinating, and that's just and that's complete. You know, just a story, just oral storytelling. You know, no visuals or anything like that. Again, like like a really good radio program. Well, see, that's the thing. I grew up. You know, when I was a kid, we didn't even. Have- when I, my youngest age, I can remember, we didn't even have a TV. And then when we got our first TV, it was a Crosley TV. Most people won't even know who Crosley was. But I remember it had a, like about a five-inch round circle as a screen. And, oh, and okay. then, you know, it was black and white and big, huge cabinet. All the relatives would come over every Friday, Saturday, you know, and just watch TV. And I kept going, oh, my God, you know, no privacy. But, you know, it, it was so unique, you know, because it was to watch TV. But, you know, I even remember back before that, you know, when we had the radio in the front room before the TV, the relatives would come in and we'd be listening to these shows. 
Could you imagine War of the Worlds and those type of shows that were put on? There were so many of those shows put on from the 30s, 40s, 50s. And they, you know, the the, the thing is, but it's like when you got a good book, right? You get into it. What is bad is now the young kids, they turn on the TV and, and they watch a TV show and they really don't think. So if you ask them what happened 10 minutes ago, I don't know. But, you know, when you were a kid and you had to listen to these radio shows, you actually closed your eyes and you imaginated, uh, Chris, each little thing that was going on. So if you heard the creak, you had your eyes closed, you could actually see that monster or that bad person, you know, making that foot, you know, that making that creak noise when they put their foot down. You thought that out and it was there in your brain and you had to think. Oh yeah, that was powerful. I never had the pleasure of experiencing that, you know, properly, um, the way that you did. But I do remember an album uh, I had when I was younger, and it had the Legend of Sleepy Hollow, and uh, and then the then Rip Van Winkle on the other side. And I'll never forget sitting there in the pseudo dark with a friend of mine listening to the album listening to the 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 voice the narration and just being chilled uh, and that's probably as close as i had experienced to that and we would just put it on over and over again right because it was only those two those two stories rip van winkle was more like a science fictiony tale but the legend of sleeping hollow i mean still uh, i still have that album i still have that vinyl record just because uh you know when i hold it i'm brought back to the to that really magical experience that you were just describing. Oh, yeah. You know, and again, you know, War of the Worlds, a lot of people still don't realize when that first aired, you know, there was Amos and Andy was on the competition on a different radio network. And a lot of people were tuned into that because it was a big show. Then Orson Welles would come on. I think it was on CBS. I could be wrong. And and they would tune into it, but they, they didn't tune into the beginning of the show, or a lot of people didn't because they were listening to Amos and Andy. Right. And then they tuned into, you know, War of the Worlds, where he was saying, this is a radio play. This is yeah. not real. And, he, you know, the little disclaimer, right? And then right. they heard about the Martians invading the cities, and people all across the country were freaking out because they thought these... Yeah aliens were real and they were killing people and <laughs> and it can that's what radio could do at one time that's how strong oh, it powerful. was powerful yeah i um i did a actually this turned into a novel later on but prior to selling the rights to a publisher i did a blog a serialized blog story but back when blogging was new oh yeah uh, initially i think in 2006 or so and it, it was the, it was a story. It was complete fiction from the point of view of a teenager who thought he had a death curse because everyone around him was dying. So it was written like a, a blog, a diary online. And uh, my plan was to roll it out. It rolled out over nine months. Now, I had disclaimers all over the blog because I remembered that. I didn't want people to think this was a su- because he's a suicidal teenager with all these people that are dying around him. And, and I would have strangers discover it not notice that and try to like talk to peter my main character and 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 so i incorporated peter into answering them but then i would also message them and say peter's not real this is this is fiction and then they would fall into it and go oh it's cool and they, and they were enjoying it and they and they stayed for the ride and and that was fascinating because over the nine months that i was rolling out this story online 
that's usually how people discovered it. They thought it was real. They thought Peter was real. They wanted to connect with him. They wanted to help him. And, and, and God bless people for, for seeing somebody hurting like that, that was fictional, reaching out to him. And then, you know, finding out he was fictional, but still sticking around for the story. And that was, um, I mean, for myself as a writer, that writing came as close to standing around a campfire and sharing stories with people. Because when you, when you tell a story, you embellish a lot. And, and depending on the reactions of the people in the, that, that are there, and you can see their faces, and you can kind of play with a little bit, a little bit of improv there. I got to do that with this story online because depending on the comments that people were leaving, I was able to incorporate things into the story and give them a little bit more about what they were enjoying. And and that was a really unique experience. I mean, again, there was no panic. There was no panic thinking that the world was going to be, it was being invaded by aliens. But um, that was a really fascinating, you know, horror writing experience for me. Well, you know, again, you did it at the time when Internet was really new, because before that, there was nothing more but bulletin boards where you could post something up, you know, short. (laughs) And then the blogging came in in the early, you know, 2000s and stuff like that, where, you know, the Internet was advancing. But you could actually take that story, depending on how your audience, your uh, readers were, you know, taking it and, and their input back to you, then you can go, well, I can change it. You know, and yeah. that is what you know, when you write a book and you take it to the publisher, there it is. But yeah. in a case like that, where you get feedback from all these people, you can just take that story any which way you want to go. And it was amazing. So I had a character who I fell in love with. He was meant to be a, a supply teacher who comes in and teaches this kid and, and the kid kind of likes the teacher. And then, of course, the teacher's going to die. And I ended up really liking the teacher. And so did a lot of my readers. They really liked the interaction because this teacher was, let's be honest, I mean, I was basing him on my favorite teacher I ever had, you know, through, you know, high school and university. And uh, John Keating, the character that Robin Williams played in Dead Poets Society. Mm-hmm. And, and that character was based on all of those elements. And, and, and I got to a point where he just extended and, and he lived a lot longer but I knew um, it was a plot device I was working on. He had to die for something else to happen. So I had to break the, you know, the fourth wall. And I, and I posted a comment that said, hey, this is Mark, the, the writer here. I need your help, dear readers, the people who are following along. Uh, Robbie's going to die. But I need you to help me decide, should he die a hero or a villain? Because, uh, again, I, I, kind of like in a mystery, you can kind of pepper it either way. I had enough clues either way. And uh, and they decided whether he was going to die as a hero or a villain. And and like you said, it's so cool that as I was writing the story, they were helping me decide things along the way. That makes it fun and more unique. Again, have you ever done any scripts for any TV shows and stuff? Because on this show, we've had like Mark Gushman. We've had oh, a wow. whole bunch of different authors, you know, who wrote, you know, for things like Star Trek, Murder, She Wrote, you name it. You know, we've had a lot wow. of different, you know, our authors and actors on their show. And, you know, that's why when I found about you, you know, I, I, you know, I, well, I, I like this type of stuff. I like scary stuff. And, you yeah. know, nowadays, I'll be honest with you, it, scariness has gotten warped. I was watching The Cabin last night, you know, where these okay. these students go and it's a, a basically the some government agency is, you know, basically sacrificing young people. And right. I watched that and I go, this really sucked. 
You know, it, it, it was scary, but it was a different type of scariness. I like the type where you get led into it and then, you know, you, you, you get the big whammo, you know? Yeah, with the atmospheric one, um, th- there was the the movie. I'm, I'm still remembering like one of the better horror films that I remember from the last I don't know ten years or so. Because again, I'm I don't, I'm not a big fan of a lot of them, unfortunately. Uh, I think it was Nicole Kidman, and she was in a house, and there were ghosts there. And and at the end of the movie, you found out that she and her family were the ghosts. Um, yeah, I and, and I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember what I, I think it was based on a classic novel too. Yeah. yeah. What was it, JC? The other. The other? Yeah. The others. Yeah. Yeah, the others. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Interesting. Well, you know, do you have any scary stories you can share with the listeners? Because they're they're really freaking out right now. They they want to be scared. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. Uh, I, I guess I can. Uh, I was talking about haunted Hamilton, and uh, and I'm going to share a story. And th- this is one of the stories. Is one of the first times working on a book like this really chilled me to the bone and this was a story that uh, I found in and and a lot of the stories I find in old newspapers and uh, archives and things like that and this was a a story uh, I call it the tombstone ghost and um, what a man and woman are living in in a small like you know four-story apartment building on Hamilton Mountain and he wakes up in the middle of the night. His wife is screaming her head off. And he turns, and she's laying there on her back, looking up at the ceiling. Her eyes are wide open, and she's just white as a ghost, screaming. And he says, what? What happened? And she said, I, I was laying here. I opened my eyes. I looked above me, and about a foot over, uh, and, uh, above her, floating there, was this this old woman like hag with the dark sunken eyes and it was just the top half of her body it was just floating there and she looked like she was screaming but i couldn't hear anything and then when i screamed she disappeared off into this one corner of uh, the bedroom this one particular corner between the window and the closet and it kept happening every few nights she would wake up around the same time see the woman hovering over her bed with a silent scream. She would scream. The woman would disappear into that same spot in the wall. The, and this was in the newspaper. They actually brought in a priest, uh, exorcist. They brought in paranormal investigators. They even brought him in from the U.S. because Hamilton's only about an hour away from New York uh, State, you know, crossing that Niagara Falls. And 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 they 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 discovered that yes there was a spirit in the house it was a woman 
They believe the woman had died in the house and they couldn't figure out um, much about the woman except that they knew that she had been in a wheelchair for her last years. And that's why they thought, oh, that's why I'm only seeing the top half of her body. They couldn't figure out what was going on. The couple eventually moved out of the apartment because it wasn't stopping. And then 10 years later, there's an article in the newspaper of the man who was in the original uh, story holding a piece of broken tombstone standing on the spot where the building they lived in used to stand. They were doing construction. They were taking the building down to put up another, uh, another, uh, you know, another building there on the site. And in the wall of the building, which was in the same side where the ghost was disappearing was a, a piece of tombstone with uh, the names of, of children who had died and they connected it back to somebody who had lived in that building, the woman with the broken legs and uh, the children that had died there. And it almost felt they believed that she was trying to let them know that the, you know, there's a tombstone in the wall uh, of the building. And so that was this really fascinating tale that took place over, you know, over the course of 10, 12 years. And they still, I mean, it was still a bit of a mystery, but it was still one of the ones that was really fascinating. So, as I am sitting in my basement office and uh, my wife and my son were asleep upstairs, uh, I was working full time. So I was writing this uh, book, you know, at, at night after dinner, I'd go and I'd work for hours and hours and hours and then go to bed, sleep a few hours, get up, go to work the next day. And so I'm sitting in my office with the newspaper article with the artist rendition of the of the screaming woman hovering over the bed <laughs> the spooky ghost i can still picturing it now i'm getting chills and uh there was the there was the only lights in the house everyone's asleep upstairs and there's two floors up and i remember finishing work and going oh no now i'm gonna have to turn off the lights and go walk up all the way through the dark and uh, go to bed and i actually sat there for 45 minutes in the light of my office because i was too scared to leave to, and to go, you know, into the dark and, and upstairs. I actually sat there in my chair thinking, I might could just sleep in this chair, right? I mean, give it a shot. And I was like, no, I can't sleep here in my chair with the lights on. I'm going to have to make it. But it was, it was that first time that um, doing the research and writing the story, I just finished the chapter and, you know, everything was good to go. And I'd scared myself so much. <laughs> I couldn't go to bed. Well, you know, uh, and, and that, that was a that was a fun moment. You know, again, JC is a noted, believe it or not, he's into the paranormal ghost hunter. And he's been on a couple of documentaries and stuff like that. I didn't know if you knew that. And he has said some things, honestly, you know, uh, uh, Mark, that would scare the you know what out of you that he's encountered. You wow. know, and, and that's the whole point. <laughs> there is things out there that, you know, like. Do they really exist or don't they? Yeah. Are they? Are we living in a artificial intelligence uh, society that maybe we're running on a computer program? Yeah. Or are we <laughs> in reality? I don't know, but it's some strange things that go on. Seriously. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and, and, I, and I love capturing that, and I love asking the questions. I particularly love the stories where things like you know seem to make sense. This is what's possible, but we never really have the answer. And the questions, I think, are what, fa are what are fascinating. And the way that our imagination fills in those gaps is also that fascinating element there. Well, there's so much things, you know, like people sitting on their couch. 
right? And they burst into flames and they can't figure out how that happened. Then you got yeah. things, you know, like Bigfoot, you dogmen, you got all these different cryptic things out there. You got polar guys, you got ghosts, you know, you have all this stuff here. And yet, you know, we can't really prove that any of this really exists. But, no. you know, that. but this stuff goes back so many years and all around the world, I mean, it has to be true because it goes back before there was newspapers, certainly before yep. the Internet. Oh, for sure. I mean, every culture has stories like this, has legends, has uh, trying to explain the inexplainable. Like we don't we can't explain this. Um, and, and again, that that is I think that's part of the fascination Um yeah, I mean, I'm, the, the the tons of ghost story books that I have because I can't walk into a you know bookstore, use bookstore, <laughs> bookstore. I can't walk in without going to you know the paranormal section and seeing what books I'm gonna I'm gonna you know pull down for for research, and and a lot of them are historical and different cultures and and the and the way that they uh, you know the way that they share these kinds of legends is just it's just like you said so consistent across time. Well, you know, again, you know, doing research, going in and buying an old book, you know, I don't know how old you're talking about, but, you know, you can find stuff that's like 80, 90, 100 and plus years old and you can oh, yeah. read it and get just really terrified. But how do you know when you grab that book, you could bring when you bring it home and start reading it, JC, couldn't he bring an attachment or something home to him where his encounter of a ghostly thing could be real? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let me just say, uh, I bought some books a long time ago. Um, they were witches' books, real witches' books. They had spells in them and all kind of, there was stuff in there you couldn't unsee of tortures. And all. Anyway, there was five of them. They were 150, 200 years old, uh, bought them over on the East Coast, not far from Salem, actually. But anyway, these books had attachments, and um, I, I had to lock them up for medically sealed in a safe. Uh, and and salt water uh, sealed up and everything, or with salt. And it was still, the attachments were so noisy around my house. And then I had them for about two years. I had to find the right buyer for them because those, if they went in the wrong hands, you know, it would be bad. But, um, yeah, I started to, um, you know, settle down and get married and stuff. And I was like, hey, you know, the, my future wife was like, you got to get rid of these books. Uh, they're causing a lot of, a lot of havoc so to speak. But yes, books can, and any object can have an attachment to it. Def, most definitely. Well, Mark, have you, you know, have you ever got a book in one of those old bookstores or wherever you find them and bring it home and start reading it? And then you have nightmares that night or is weird things happen in your house? And uh, Not yet. Uh, not yet. And I still take the risk. Uh, I, I actually wrote about, uh, I, I found in, in my research a story very similar to what JC was just sharing from a used bookstore uh, from Barrie, Ontario, here in the province where I live in Canada. And and this was in my book, uh, Tomes of Terror. And and it was a, a gentleman who had bought a history book uh, that he really liked. And uh, he put it on, on the nightstand right beside his bed. And in the middle of the night, he kept seeing this old man in, in military garb who was uh, looked like he was he was standing near the closet. And they thought it had something to do with the closet. And they, they did bring a priest in. Who actually said no? It's it's the book. <laughs> it's attached to the book, and so he recommended just taking the book back to the bookstore, <laughs> reselling it to the used bookstore, and the ghost disappeared from that point on. 
He was um, lucky because sometimes you can take the book back and that attachment's with you now or your house. Yeah, or your it's family. like, no, 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 I like this place. I'm sticking around. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, Mark, we need to take about a four-minute break. When we come back, if you have any more ghost stories you can uh, share to the audience, you know, it's not Friday, but I got everybody, you know, psyched up to put their feet up, you know, by the fireplace, put a log in there, drink a couple martinis and lay back and let's get them, some people scared. Sounds like a plan. Okay, we'll be right back with Mark. And by the way, check out his books and all that. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio. When the going gets weird, Alexander Strange gets going. He's America's only full-time weird news reporter. You can follow his adventures in a series of mysteries by award-winning journalist and author J.C. Bruce. Kirkus Reviews calls the Strange Files series suspenseful page-turners punctuated with dashes of the surreal. The online book club says they're full of twists and turns, simultaneously mystery and comedy. Available in hardcover, paperback, and ebooks, order your copies online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble right now. Just search for J period, C period, Bruce, and look for The Strange Files, Florida Man, Get Strange, Strange Currents, and Mr. Manners. See why the critics are raving Oi! about this series. Order your copies right now.
are listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio Network, the home of Night Dreams Talk Radio, with Gary Anderson, syndicated worldwide. Paranormal Talk Radio, like you remember. Hi, this is Val Von Torn of Metatron Power and Light. You're listening to Gary Anderson and Night Dreams Talk Radio. We're back here with Mark. Uh, how long have you been writing these scary stories and stuff? Um, well, my whole life I've been writing scary stories. <laughs> so uh, let's say, uh, oh my God, I can't do the math. I cannot do the math from 53 to 15 uh let's let me take my shoes and socks off here to try and figure this out okay i have to do that quite often (laughs) actually at least do my balance sheets you know again when you were a young kid and you were writing these scary stories how did your parents take it you you know what was really funny is uh, my mom my mom was an avid reader she she read probably three romance novels a day (laughs) harlequin novels just piles and piles of, of of novels and and she would always say, "Mark, why can't you write a nice story?" <laughs> <She> was, <laughs> and, uh, and and it was kind of funny. So I, I grew up in in mid northern Ontario, and so uh, it was like a small town in in the middle of the woods, just near Sudbury, Ontario, north 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 of there. My dad was a hunter and fisher, and 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 I used to jokingly say the reason I write horror is uh, so in the fall, um, my dad would go moose hunting because that was moose hunting season. And when you captured a moose, you would bring them back and you would, uh, we actually had racks in our garage and, and you wouldn't be able to park the vehicles in there while, you know, moose hunting season, you'd leave them outside in the yard. And, and there was these racks, you would hang them, the moose or the deer, and you would skin them and let them bleed out for uh, a few days. And then you would bring them to the local butcher who would turn them into steaks and stuff like that. And I remember the one time, after dark, going on my bicycle and uh, going to put my bike away because I, I got I to get in the house and forgetting that there were dead moose hanging in the garage. And so I remember walking into the garage, the, the smell of death, just the smell of blood, just pervasive in the whole garage. And then looking over, seeing something hanging that seemed to be moving in the dark and then the eyes uh, <laughs> looking at me. Um, um, just, and, and then remembering, oh yeah, there's moose there. But, uh, I used to jokingly tell them, I'm like, well, of course I'm going to write horror stories. <laughs> Did you see what kind of childhood I had? Did it scare you when you go in that forget and go into it and you see all these, you know, dead moose deer hanging? I mean, I remember, I mean, forgetting, cause you know, you play with your friends and you, whatever, and I get on my bike and I, and I go back in and as I'm there by myself, putting the bike in the, in this proper spot, smelling that and looking over, seeing the shadow and then seeing the reflection on the eyes uh, and, and the glow. And, uh, and it was like, Oh boy. Oh, okay. For a second, I had no idea what this was. And then I re- realized, Oh yeah, it's the moose. So I mean, I that got, happened to me. It only happened once, but it still sticks with me. You know, I, I'll be honest with you. You know, I wasn't, you know, a hunter. My dad wasn't a hunter. He was a backpacker. But I remember one time he took me to make me a man. I think I was like, eight years old down to the lake and he and made me fish i didn't want to fish but i caught a fish and i was excited i got a fish dad and then he you know we took the fish over to the picnic table and he said okay i want you to cut the head off and i tell you i broke down crying it was so horrible 
you know, because I saw this living creature and here I'm sitting there cutting, you know, my dad's making me cut his head off, you know, you know, I, I you know, and then, you know, people go out and, you know, go out deer hunting and, you know, deer, you know, bear hunting and stuff like that. And I don't know. I, you know, this, yeah. you know, at least I didn't have a dream that night of the fish coming in and getting no. me. I, I couldn't, uh, I, I couldn't, couldn't gut or fill a, fillet a fish. My dad was good at that. I loved eating the stuff. I didn't like the process of how it happened. But I remember taking my son out. I think he was eight years old. And I'd, uh, I chartered a boat uh, to, to go take him fishing because I wanted him to have that experience because my dad was no longer with us. And I wasn't all that good at it. <laughs> so I wanted him to have, have that. And I remember he was so excited because he caught his fish. And then right on this boat, there's like a larger boat that you can walk around on, like, you know, like the one from Jaws. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then he caught the fish. And then right there on the boat, the guy just sliced the head off. Blood gushed out everywhere. My son turned white. And then, and then they filleted it and everything. And then we brought them uh, to my mom. She was very excited that my, you know, our grandson caught her some fish. <laughs> I remember later that we're going to bed that night and, and he's in his bed and I'm in mine. And he's like, uh, dad, um, there was, there was a lot of blood. <laughs> so, and I remember going, oh my God, I did it to my son now. Yeah. Did he eat any of the fish? Oh, he loved it. I mean, he, he'd been growing up eating, uh, eating fish. And, uh, and so it was just really, it was a proud moment when my mom cooked it up and it was kind of like, that's the fish he caught. And I remember having that, that proud moment too. Yeah. I could catch the fish. I just couldn't, I couldn't deal with anything until it was time to eat it. How do these people come up with, remember Hotel uh, L, that movie? You, no, no. Oh, you don't, JC, Motel Hell. Do you remember that one? We can't hear you. You're not coming in, JC, at all. I'm sorry, I'm here. <laughs> I had a call from a guest, actually. Well, which is more important, the guest or the show? Well, I don't know <laughs> the show, but anyway. The show, okay. Yeah, Motel Hell, Did you do you remember that one? You seem to always know everything. Oh, my goodness. I seen that movie in 1981 at the drive-in. Uh, Rory Calhoun was in it. Yes, Motel Hell. Um, that's, that was, isn't that where they took people, right? And then they, 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 you know, they'd find people and then they would plant them in the garden and, and grow them. And they, they were making sausages and they had the best sausages in the county. Oh my God. The scariest part, they had them in the garden, but they had bad burlap bags over their head, Gary. And, and they were making these noises like, you didn't know what it well, was. They cut out right? their vocal cords. Yeah, they were going, and the bags were moving, right? And I was like, what is that? And they pulled the bags off, and there was these people that freaked me out. Yeah, and then harvest time, they would take their tractor, right? And they'd have all these weird lights and space sounds and stuff, and they would tell the, all the people that were planted they're going on a space trip, and then they put a rope around their neck and, you know, harvest them and then make sausages. Oh, my God, that show was so freaky when I first seen it. Yeah. Hey, oh. don't ever take a girlfriend for uh, to a drive-in movie and think you're going to score if you go see, like, Hotel Hell. It's not going to happen. Oh, no. <laughs> that's, yeah. you, that's definitely not the movie to see. Oh, that's, I still have flashbacks from that one. I do, too. I just watched it the other night. That's why I came up. But, Mark, did you know, did scary movies like that have a major input of, you know, your writing, too? Um, I, I think so. Um, scary movies were, were, 
Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, every every single thing that I um, that I consume, whether it's stories around a campfire, whether it's scary movies, and I'll never forget um, the changeling. The, the you know the scene in the changeling where the the ball comes down the stairs, right? Uh, and and then there, there's and, and George C. Scott keeps going up, and there's that door that's closed, the attic door. It was one of those times when I should not have been watching. Because, you know, my parents had the TV on. I'd get up and, like, you know, say I have to go to the washroom. And then I'd sneak around and take a peek at the TV. And I caught moments like that of the movie. And I remember, uh, I, I guess I don't know why they let me watch The Exorcist and um, uh, The Omen. <laughs> they let you Just, watch, though? How old were you when they let you watch them? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Maybe I was only ten or twelve, but or it was just one of the things where where I just kind of I, I couldn't sleep or whatever. I made some excuse. I'm like, oh, can I just sit up with you guys? And, this, and, and it was stupidly so a show like that was on, and um, scenes from those movies still chill me to this day. And so those those would be the formative movies that I remember seeing or just catching if it was only fifteen minutes here or twenty minutes there. And just having them stick with me in such a powerful way. And I think there was something about those movies. Yeah. Are you still there? Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think we yep. lost. Okay. that We lost you there for a minute. Uh, Pol- Poltergeist uh, was, was one of the ones I remember seeing in the movie theater. I, I think it was old enough to get into it. And, and and that terrified me. I watched it again recently, and it, it wasn't as scary, although there were there are still moments. The clown under the bed, the tree, the shadow of the tree, those, those, those really get me. Well, you know, again, you know, going back at that time frame when it came out, it was really scary. I know we had a, a, a VHS of it, and my oldest daughter at the time was infatuated with it. That and Titanic, boy, those two movies. And I finally got mad, and I end up cutting the tape and then when she put it in it broke she would come oh, home no. from snow on the weekends she would watch it non-stop from the minute she mm. got up to the minute she went to bed and then when she came home from school guess what it was the same thing and i and i you know how many times could you see the original polar guys i mean you know it was to the point wow. it was like oh my god but i mean that's how far some people can get into these things and now yeah. you've had all this rich stuff I mean, when you sit down there and you decide, I'm going to write a scary book, what do you, how do you come up with the idea of a book? I mean, how do you just come up with the subject and the idea? 
Well, for, for true ghost stories, I usually start with a theme. So the theme would be, um, you know, a city. So I've done Hamilton, I've done Ottawa, I've done Sudbury. These are cities I've lived in, so I had a connection to. Um, Tomes of Terror, was I specifically was looking for haunted bookstores and libraries. And haunted ho- hospitals uh, should be obvious what the subject matter was. When it comes to fiction... Uh, you, you usually take one element. So, for example, I have a series, a uh, fiction series uh, called Canadian Werewolf. And the first book in the series is called A Canadian Werewolf in New York. And the premise was just, I thought, what what would it be like if you lived in New York City and you had lycanthropy? So, you know, full moon, you'd turn into an actual wolf, not a half man, half wolf. You'd turn into a wolf for 10, 12 days every month. Then you'd wake up in the middle of a major city, naked, with no memory or knowledge of what happened the night before. What would you do? How would you how would you find clothes? How would you get home? All of that. And so it was, it was meant to be a dark humor answering the question of how would this guy live like that? And that became a series uh, called my Canadian Werewolf series where I just continued to explore this. I call him a, a, a beta male, a beta human and an alpha wolf. And uh, and he has superpowers as a human because he has enhanced senses and stuff like that. But the whole premise, the whole series, and I'm, book six is coming out in, in March uh, of this year. But the whole premise uh, came down to this one thing, just imagining. And I was in New York at the time. I was visiting there. And I was walking by Battery Park. And I was just imagining, you know, right there in that set of bushes, waking up there naked. Oh, and a bullet hole in your leg and the taste of hum, uh, human blood in your mouth wondering what the hell you did the night before and how am I going to get home <laughs> like this. And and that's sometimes a whole novel or a whole series can come out of just, just that one thought. Do you believe that these creatures could be existing? Because, you know, a lot of people are claiming they see dogmen, which kind of re- <laughs> yeah. look like a werewolf. Potentially. Um, yeah, I think because we'll often, uh, we will often make up excuses for things that make sense. We will apply. And, and even in, in the series of the book, we have, you know, a witch coven, a, a woman, older woman explained to her daughter, oh yeah, when, when, when mundane see this, they just assume that, or they're not actually seeing the magic happening. They thought you were throwing rocks, even though she was throwing like lightning bolts or whatever, because it, they can't they can't understand it. Therefore, they apply what they know to it. And I wonder if we do the same thing, that there are things that we just come up with a mundane explanation for it, because it otherwise, you know, we might go crazy thinking about it, right? Well, you know, things like werewolf, for example, if you go back and trace it, I, I you know, how far have you been able to trace back the folklore of werewolf doesn't it go back back you know centuries yeah centuries it goes back hundreds and hundreds of years and again uh werewolf is like there's there's werewolf uh you know stories common in in so many different cultures throughout europe um which is fascinating of course i've done a lot of research on historical werewolves because i had to make up my my own version of it but i wanted to understand the legends and where they came from i mean there, there's even a whole bunch of stuff around world war ii where the you know there was the belief that the, the nazi army had werewolf soldiers and super soldiers and stuff like that i mean i, I read this really thick academic text is about 800 pages called Hitler's monsters, which is really about the, you know, the exploration that Hitler 
and and some of his people did into the occult and experimenting because trying to use the occult to try and win world war ii and and there there's some werewolf lore there that you know you've, you've you've you can see you can read articles about the fear that soldiers had that the werewolves were going to get them well you know if you really think about it, even hitler they traveled the world looking for the occult you know the paranormal the strange that you yeah. know to get more information on it how they could merge it into the third reich a- and it, you know you, you look at folklore of you know again uh, of werewolves and then you 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 know you all these people claim they go out and they say a dogman i i think that the dogman is the new word for werewolf at least in this country because i think that what it is is i think these things do exist i really do so you're writing on something that could possibly be your neighbor you never know down the street <laughs> you never know that is uh, that don't is go so there true. late at night and borrow a cup of sugar don't do that no, no, no. <laughs> as uh, as Hamlet said, there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophies, right? How's your wife take you about writing scary, ghostly, you know, type of? Um, she she really enjoys that. She's she's a non-believer. Uh, I'm a believer, and I'm I'm scared of the dark. She's brave and strong, and is a non-believer. But she loves going on ghost walks. She loves doing the exploration because she's really wanting to see something. So that she can prove that it's real, and so she's boldly in there having a blast, and 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 she humors me a lot. Like, hey, when we're on this trip, can we go? We had to drive to uh, Orlando. I was I was there for a writing conference, and we decided to drive from uh, from Ontario, Canada, to there. And we took several days, and we mapped out uh, a plan so we could visit a whole bunch of different haunted spots <laughs> that is some of which i had researched and so no she's she's really uh very supportive um uh, and and obviously i talk a lot you know at the dinner table about stuff that i'm that i'm working on so she's a great person to bounce off some ideas wow and you say you're scared of the dark are you just saying that or are you actually scared no, and terrified I, of the I, night? I am yeah I'm scared of the dark. I I had to go down. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to lose weight. You know, it's January. I'm I'm trying trying to turn a new leaf at the beginning of the year. I went down into the basement to get on the treadmill and just watch a YouTube channel. And I think I watched uh, before I went down. I ended up watching um, a trailer for a horror movie, um, <laughs> Rink, and it's coming out this year. And the trailer's only a minute and fifty seconds, and it is so terrifying, just the sound and the and the visuals that I'm down there in the in the basement. She's just upstairs, so she could protect me. I'm just I'm, I'm scared. Oh come on! I'm going to be honest. I already come to the conclusion. I've been married over forty five years. I'm going to be honest with you. You know, one of those nights, if I actually when I drop the phone and it goes under the bed. Yeah. When she goes down there and gets it for me, if there is like a shadow man or some creature underneath that bed, she's going to be the first one out of that room. She's going to be the first one in her car driving off. She's not going to think about me being torn apart. <laughs> well, Liz is a little bit different. She's she's the one that would fight it. I would be the one screaming, screaming like Ned Flanders and running out of the room. Well, you're my type of man. You know that. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, this again, a lot of, you know, like I said, James makes fun of me all the time. I'll be honest with you. When I was a young kid, I got farmed out a lot. You know, we lived in Seattle and my dad's brother and grandmother lived in Oakland, California. And I would be farmed out for about a month during the summer. 
you know, uh, to if I didn't get sent to camp, I would be, you know, uh, two weeks with my grandmother, two weeks with my uh, uncle and his family. And the first time I was at my grandmother's place, she was in an old apartment in Oakland. And it was like an 1870s apartment that that old, maybe even older. And I remember the bedroom door had, you know, the real classic uh, crystal glass doors and all that stuff. And in a big bedroom, but the bed kind of like you open up this door and it was a walk-in closet. The bed would fall down, uh, fold down to the floor. I remember that much. And then there was a little light, dim light in the closet. And she said, okay, well, you you can sleep in here. And I got in there and I, I tried to go to sleep. And I remember this shadow came out of the closet and it went around the entire wall every wall in that bedroom and then it went back oh, in the closet no oh yeah i remember the next morning i i was hysterical i called up my parents i want to go to my, i want to go uncles I, I don't want to be here i can't be here and you know my grandmother fessed up years later she said that 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 apartment was haunted i don't know but that's that's the only scary scary thing i can remember as a, a child but, you know, can you imagine you're a young kid and you see a figure come out of the closet and walk around, oh, slide around the walls, and it's a, a shadow of a human? No, no. See, that's, yeah, that's, I've got chills, like, <laughs> wooden belief, <laughs> rubbing my arms straight. That's why I, seriously, that's why when I go to bed at night, I make sure if any weird noises, that blanket is over my head. Like, hell, it's going to protect me, but I am still, to this day, I'm 71, and I get terrified at night when I hear strange noises or, or you know, oh, yeah. creaks and going down the hallway when I know there's nobody going down the hallway. <laughs> Something magical about those covers, too. They'll protect you. Yeah. Now, do you have a website or anything? Yeah. Uh, my website is uh, marklesley.ca. Okay, and you have a Facebook you can share to the listeners. Um, uh, Mark Leslie author uh, on Facebook, and and basically, if if you go to my website markleslie.ca, you'll find links to all my social media. You know, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, all the places. Uh, YouTube, I used to do free Friday frights uh, where I would share either uh, from a chapter of one of the books I'd researched about nonfiction or a fiction story. So I did that probably for about nine months. And, uh, and just that was sort of a 15 minute sort of uh, either reading or chat about one of the stories I'd researched. Interesting. Now, where are your books available? My books are available pretty much everywhere um, in print, uh, in, in ebook, and um, about three quarters of them are available in audiobook as well. You can get them from the libraries, find them on places like Amazon. If you go to books to read.com, that's books the numeral two read.com slash mark leslie you find a listing for all of my fiction uh and nonfiction books and and the links to all the retailers are are from there as well and what's your latest couple books you have out uh latest couple books was uh actually lover's moon uh which was uh the fifth book in my canadian werewolf series i co-authored that with julie strauss and interestingly enough the the very latest book that I released just around Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving, <laughs> this year was uh, The Canadian Mounted, which was a uh, nonfiction book, not of ghosts. It was a trivia guide to um, planes, trains, and automobiles. And uh, that's because that's the book, the name of the book that 
John Candy's reading at the airport, um, a Canadian actor, and it was actually a porn novel. And I, I just, uh, it's been out of print and I turned, uh, I turned it into a trivia book about, about one of my favorite films for the 30, 35th anniversary of that he, movie. So there's nothing scary in that book. Yeah. I'll tell you, he was one hell of a, uh, actor and you know, yeah, I remember him from Saturday night lives. Yeah. And, and SCTV and, and oh, all yeah. of those are like, just such a great actor. And, and again, that's one of my favorite roles that he played. And so that, that was, um. Yeah, that was that was sort of a fun departure for me to to just write about one of my favorite films. Okay, well, hey, Mark, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. And remember, if you drop your cell phone, have your wife get it. Definitely. Okay, <laughs> thanks so much, Gary. Thank you for coming on the show. Well, James, who's our guest tomorrow? Oh boy, we have a really good guest. Tomorrow, it's Ann Williams, the Egyptologist, coming on, and she's going to talk about some of the most important discoveries in Egypt over the years and some other things, plus her new book. So it's going to be exciting. She's very well a trained archaeologist and a writer. Yeah, they found some interesting things here again in the news today or yesterday. They found another, you know, in one of the tombs, they found paintings that go back 4,400 years that are just like, New. I mean, you know, no anything, no oxidization or anything. And then, you know, about a week ago, they found like 80 some mummies in in the old uh, in the Great Pyramid in another tunnel. They didn't know existed. And they keep finding stuff like this. You know, I, it's so interesting. So that's going to be a good show. But you know what really scares me? Seriously. You know, I don't know the paranormal. How much of it is real? How much of it is made up? You know, and folklore and stuff like that. But things like, you know, if you really think about it, JC, think about werewolves. Why was it going back in, you know, centuries, centuries ago that there were people that would turn into these creatures? And you think about it, then, you know, here, you know, the last 20 years, you know, people are talking about dogmen and, you know, they resemble a dog. Well, what does a dog resemble? A wolf. And then you think about the, you know, werewolves. Yeah, these lycanthropes, uh, werewolves, they're, I know they're traced back to at least the 16 or 1700s. Matter of fact, there was a case in France where a guy uh, supposedly turned into a werewolf killed, I don't know, 20, 30 people. Uh, Germany, it, it traces all the way back. And then when they moved over here, it, down the French in Louisiana, they got the uh, Ruglerous um, and folklore all throughout. Oh, yeah. Now, Kim out there in chat, I will say this. You know, there's movies, I remember, scary movies. You know, you go to bed at night with this beautiful woman, and you're making mad, passionate love, and then you find out halfway through it, just before you come, that, you know what? She was a demon. She, you know, it was the scariest thing you could ever imagine. Think about that. Succubus. Yeah, I, I'm not going to suck your bus. But, you know, if you think about these things, I mean, you know, it, it, some of these things, you know, can you imagine could they exist? You know, just like z uh, zombies and stuff like that. Do they exist? There was a guy in the news last week that got arrested. He was caught in an alley eating a guy's face off of his skull. Oh, yeah. yeah there was that one designer drug that made people into uh, zombies, that flaca. Uh, people were going crazy on that in Florida for a while. 
Yeah, could you imagine, though? This was a week ago. Could you imagine, you know, someday that maybe some type of drug gets put out and it could have an effect to make, you know, zombies? Mm, they're the walking yep. dead, but, they're you know, where it kills certain parts of their brain and they become, you know, the, the why would it, even with a drug, why would that induce somebody so to induce somebody to start eating somebody's face off. Yeah, it turns them psychosis in their brain, makes them think they're, they're go, they go out of their mind. Uh, yeah, face eaters or brain eaters, whatever, but it's scary. And, and they, they have superhuman strength. I've seen the videos. I know. Hey, Kim. Well, you know, I've spit my tea out before and it went over the monitors. I'm not even going to ask you where your tea went, but I like it. You're a tea drinker. That's what I'm drinking myself right now. Good old Lipton tea. And, you know, that's just it. You know, a lot of these things, you know, maybe do exist. You know, yeah. I mean, I've, could you imagine, though, that you marry a woman, you really don't know her, and then you find out she's a witch? I know what it's like. My, my first wife was one, and I'll tell you, she was a practicing witch. And I tell you, I came home to some scary, you know what? Yeah, I, I know that story. That is scary. That that's a heck of a time to find out uh, the the secret side of your wife. <laughs> so well, you find out things that you just can't explain. Because I remember we before we I called it quits with our marriage. We bought a a new house, at least new to us, and we moved in, and we were in there for maybe about a month, and we went somewhere for a couple hours, and when we came back home. The whole house was full of adult, huge dead flies, and they were dropping dead as we were walking around. I'm talking where it was just like thousands of these big, huge horse flies. And I got an exterminator out, and he's looking at these, and he's saying, how could you be living in this place? They had been in here for months. And I go, no, we had not a single fly. We lived in here at least a month. There was no flies in this house. We took off for a couple hours. We came back, and it was full of flies. And then my lovely wife said, okay, have you learned your lesson from me? Oh, my goodness. Uh, that, that's, that would, that's scary right there. When she, she actually said that to you. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that was the end of the marriage. Seriously. Boy, you wouldn't want to make her mad. You, you're going to wake up, turn into a toad. You, you'll be craving eating there, those flies. But again, the, the exterminator said there was no way these flies could have been living in that the house. Not in no. the rooms or anywhere. Not. I'm literally, I'm talking, if you opened your mouth, you would have had a mouthful of flies. I've never seen that many flies in my life. Yeah, that that's a red flag. That's an infestation of something very negative when, when your house is overrun by flies. Especially, wasn't it in the fall or wintertime, too? It was. It wasn't even in the summertime. And they were horse flies. They were huge. And I'm, I'm not joking. They were dying. And as they were flying, they were dropping down on the floor. I mean, it was, they were, you know, you couldn't even take a step without gushing them. Oh. That's how many it was. I mean, it freaked me out. Yeah, that would get your attention. <laughs> That's a big red flag. I'll tell you what, you'd been in trouble. You made her real mad. I'm that or somebody got a whole truck full. You know, a semi truck full in the you know the back end, filled it with a whole bunch of flies, backed up to our front door and opened up the doors and let them in. I don't know, I don't know any way that it could have happened, but I tell you, there's strangeness out there. It's scary stuff, and I tell you what, 
when you yep. go to bed at night, if you hear a strange noise, don't get up to investigate it because you never know what could happen. Send your wife to do it. Yes, and get one of those magic blankies like you got that's a force field against monsters and ghosts. Yeah, tomorrow again, we got Ann R. Williams. We're going to be talking about treasures of Egypt. So it's going to be a great show. We got a lot of great guests. Who do we have next week? Yeah, matter of fact, Sunday, we got Rob Shelsky coming on. He's going to be talking about, uh, well, UFOs and uh, UAPs and disclosure and everything that's going on in the state of that uh, ufology. And then we've got, uh, matter of fact, coming up on Wednesday, we have Jeffrey Bruce coming on talking about asteroids and some of the dangers and can we do anything to protect ourselves. And then on Thursday, we have Stan Gordon coming back. Now, Stan is very well known. He gets all kind of reports since the 1960s from UFOs to cryptids, flying, Bigfoot, you name it. And then on Friday, we have Dr. Don Lincoln coming on talking about uh, black holes and uh, solar flares. Okay. Now, you almost laughed, didn't you? Oh, my, I had to bite my lip. Okay. Well, till tomorrow, everybody have a good one. Stay out of trouble. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. And I want to thank each one of you for tuning into the show tonight. Make sure you tell your friends about our show. And again, disclosure today came out in the news. And basically, if anybody's going to be talking on their show tonight about all this great disclosure came out, well, all I can say is hockey puck because nothing came out. The government said, again, the Pentagon said that, yeah, there's about 121 cases or whatever. We don't know what it is. That's all they could say. Everything else, they said, hey, it's, you know, maybe from another country, maybe this. We just don't know what it is. They didn't say anything like it's off-world, no nothing, nothing. So if you expect that, I'll tell you what, I'll sell you a slow boat to China for just a buck. Catch you tomorrow. Everybody have a good one. Stay out of trouble. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.